Hello, everyone. This is Sean from the Rap Geeks. What's up, it's Aaron? Playback Appeal. Oh, hello. You know what it is. Playback, playback, Rap Geeks. We are back. What are we talking about today, brother? Well, today we're talking about Big Boy and Big Boy. his debut album. <laughs> <laughs> and his debut album, <laughs> Sir Stupid. Luscious or Lucius Left Foot. What do you the say? Do you say Lucius of, or you say Luscious? That was the first one you went to. Yeah, you know what? I'm <laughs> going to stick with Luscious. This is Big Boy's debut album, Sir Luscious Left Foot, The Son of Chico Dusty, released <clears throat> 10 years from today, 10 years ago, July 5th, 2010, on Purple Ribbon Records, also Def Jam Records. So let's get into it. Big Boy, if you don't know, is one half of legendary hip-hop duo Outkast out of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-mm. ATL. ATL. Outkast, man. That's a hard one to talk about because they're the hip-hop group, in my opinion, that has never made a bad record. Every album that they've ever put out has always been so good they're we're like talking, the radiohead of hip-hop bro we're talking together or individually because we just heard a couple uh big boy joints and uh <laughs> you know i didn't really yeah. like them like that well okay together andre 3000 and big boy make up outcast and in my opinion outcast at least their maybe their last album which i think was more of a soundtrack thing wasn't as good, but man, I definitely grew up with ATLians and Speaker Box and Stankonia as uh, as some of those albums that you you do listen to when you first start off with hip hop. Did you listen to Outkast starting off at all? Um, no, not starting off. Um, I actually didn't even get to them until later. I mean, the only Outkast um, song I pretty much grew up with was the one that's hey, on yeah. every karaoke machine. Hey, yeah, and Roses. No. Well, uh, no, 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 no. Before that. Miss um, Jackson. Miss Jackson. That one was on every karaoke machine. <laughs> right, right. That's a Filipino thing, right? Growing up with karaoke machines. <laughs> yeah. But then, oh, hey, right. yeah, you know what I mean? That flooded everything. Right, right. So what makes this and what the reason why we wanted to talk about this album in particular 10 years after it's been released, why it's worthy of a playback appeal retrospect is because Outkast is one of the the most prolific hip hop groups of all time. And here's the funny thing. When people think of Outkast, even though it's a duo, it tends to be that people put a little bit more respect towards Andre 3000. In fact, I always felt that Big Boy kind of played the Robin to Andre 3000's Batman. And it was almost like Andre 3000 brought in that weird, spacey, creative, fantasy-like persona. And then Big Boy was more of the grounded street rapper to complement that. Would you agree? I would say after the first album, I believe, that's when I really noticed the exactly what you were saying. I think in the first album, I still felt like they both were pretty much just rappers you know and then 
after that album, Andre became something none of us had ever imagined. Right. And, and that first album, you're talking about Southern playalistic Cadillac music. Yeah. That was all the traditional rap that we all are, are used to, you know. Like Players and, Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Just that type of flow, you know, of the time. It was, it was pretty uh, standard to hear that, that type of uh, rapping. And then, right. you know, after that, it went south. No, no, no. South in a good way. You know what I mean? It went, it went uh, not in a bad way. I, I actually really like the direction he, he took it, just purely out of um, what is it, you know? Right, right. And, and so Outkast, when you really think about hip-hop artists that kind of took hip-hop to whole new levels, you definitely got to believe it that Outkast is one of those groups. And to date, it's really hard to even find groups to compare them to, you know, just because... Yeah. There's nothing like them in the Southern hip hop sense in terms of how they were able to move with every single album, how they were able to incorporate all these different psychedelic rock and metal and right. funk and groove and new disco and all these different things into their music that just made them one of the most prolific hip hop bands of all time. But today's not about Outkast. I was going to say, when are we going to get to Andre? Are you transitioning right now? We're never going to get into Andre because Andre is not part I, of this. I mean, Today, uh, we're, I we're on the big boy. Big boy. Today, we're on big boy. Uh, so Big boy. This is my hypothesis of this album. Gwan. Sir Luscious Leftfoot, the son of Chico Dusty. I think this album was a statement, man. It was a statement by big boy to show that he is not second fiddle that he does have his own creative side. And I was, this to me, out of all of the work I ever heard out of the whole discography of Outkast and Big Boy, and I don't think Andre 3000 ever put out a solo album, but this is pretty experimental. In fact, I think that it even picks up where Stankonia left off, which is more towards the let's mess around with all different kinds of sounds and bombs over Baghdad and you know, just do things that are a little bit more untraditional in the hip hop sense. So I think this is where it, this is where it kind of uh, picks up from from that outcast ten years ago. I, I don't see it too much as the refined sound of outcast like Speaker Box. I don't really see it like the Southern hip hop uh, like AT Aliens, Aquamini, or Southern playalistic Cadillac music. I think this is. Uh, but this is different, man. This is definitely its own thing. And uh, we're going to get into it on whether we think that this is something that we think you should listen to and our personal thoughts on it. Hmm. Let's get it. All right, man. So talking about this album and talking about uh, Sir Luscious Leftfoot, the son of Chico Dusty, one thing that stuck out to me is... Uh, Big Boy can rap. Big Boy can definitely rap. Thanks. And he can rap very fast. And he's definitely got the ability to go over any type of beat and flow over it. But that doesn't mean that I think Big Boy is ever going to be considered as one of the all-time greats. Where I think Big Boy shines 
is really the songwriting aspect and that he was able to showcase that on this album of how versatile his songwriting really is. I agree with that, uh, dude. And and even when we were just listening, <clears throat> excuse me, we when we were just watching that live performance he was doing of uh, I forgot what song that was, but when they went a cappella and you can actually focus in on the lyrics, I heard it a lot differently. I you know what I mean. I think of the song differently now since I heard him do it a cappella as opposed to hearing it with the production on it, and it it was just another reminder that yeah, he, um, big boy can rap his ass off. Right, and that song we were talking about was Daddy Fat Sax. Yeah. Which is um, one of the songs out of the multiple songs where he incorporates the uh, talk box as part of the, as part of the flow. And uh, it, it, it's interesting that he's doing that and, and he's getting that deep voice, that deep kind of Houston vibe as part of the beat because, you know, around... Three years later, or maybe two years later, we see a guy like ASAP Rocky use the fuck out of that effect. Mm. Right. So off the bat, I will say the album is a little sleepy. Not just because it sleepy. features Sleepy Brown, but it doesn't it doesn't grab my attention immediately as I'm going through the I first think, four tracks. I think that's just because you don't like the music. You know? Like, because it almost feels like this isn't... The album, to me, actually felt like a musical. Now, take that however you want. You know what I mean? Um, whether if, mus if musical is, is bad to you, then this album is going to be bad to you. The first thing I thought of when I heard this album was Hamilton. And if you've ever watched Hamilton and you listen to the soundtrack for Hamilton, then I I think you would also think of that if you heard this album. And that's and the production and the quality overall quality of the music is so good, but it's just it's it feels like a completely different genre, um, and it's and it's theatrical in its essence as a whole. I mean, mm. he's telling the story of Sir Lucius Leftfoot, you know, and then just different scenarios that go on with a. I'm assuming he's painting a picture of a a pimp player, you know, uh, and all the issues that he has to deal with, you know. Um, but but I, but I I feel like the music is just it's not practical. It's not anything that we can come that we can go back to. Right, and especially when you have like a song like "Follow Us" with Vonnegut, it's uh it's a little cheeky. It's cheeky. a little not it's it's almost as if they were trying to make something that mm. would reach out to a larger audience instead of trying to just mm -hmm. really focus in on what they were what big boy was already good right. at and that, so that's it's why not, go ahead that's why i was gonna say watching the music videos for some of those songs it changed how i thought about the music like when i was listening to it in the context of Okay, this this music would sound great for a for a, a musical. Um, but in the context of a music video, okay, this this is a rap song. What 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 is this? And so I categorize it as okay, it's this is a this is a song. It's a rap song now, and I don't like it. 
<laughs> you know right. what I mean? So it, the context for this music is really important. That's kind of one thing that I realized listening to the album. Because again, I do think the, these songs you could listen to over and over again just because the production quality is so high. Um, but again, it's not, it just doesn't, I wouldn't go back to it as a rap um, listener. Yeah, yeah. I do think that Big Boy was doing, trying to accomplish two things at once mm. uh, with this album. On one hand, maybe three things. The first thing he's trying to do is showcase his own independent skill, which he kind of did on the speaker box album because do you it was think a split he was trying album. to prove? You thought he was trying to prove himself? Yeah. Was the cloud, or how would you say, you know, the cloud of Andre's talent really covering a Big Boy's? you know, hidden talent. <laughs> yeah, because let's think about it. All uh think about this. Mm. Anderson Pack, Future, are they <laughs> going to Big Boy in order to do a feature or are they going to Andre three thousand? What about Frank Ocean? Is he going to Big Boy? No, he's going to Andre three thousand. Drake. Good ass verse on uh at the end of Real Her on Take right. Care. Right. Mm. So we're I all waiting. It's a moment. Yeah, like Kendrick Andre Lamar, they're all mm. going to the OG, Andre 3000. I think mm. maybe the only guy to really go for a big boy is uh, Run the Jewels. You know, that would be a more oh, so, so you think the boy. new... Sorry, go ahead. No, man, I'll, I was just trying to emphasize that. And I don't want to spend too much time <laughs> digging into this because I feel like when we talk about... You see, we're, we're part of the problem, man. We keep on bringing Andre 3000 on a big boy interview but or a big boy retrospective, but... Okay, to, to get back into it, um, I think what he was trying to accomplish is number two, he was trying to market to an audience. And at that time in mm. 2010, you have a lot of experimentation going on in hip hop. So you have Drake, you have Wiz Khalifa, you have to an extent Childish Gambino Kid and, and, and Kid Cudi, right? Huge influence on hip hop, by the way. Big Sean. So the hip hop wasn't really drill yet. It wasn't really gangster. It was still kind of in the wake of the Kanye West 808s and heartbreaks. Like, yo, we can be kind of emo. We can be kind of pop. We can right. we can have music available for white kids too. Yeah. And was, so I think he was trying to accomplish that as mm, well. Interesting. Because at the but, time, as I think about it, the two labels that were really running shit around the time was Good, Good Music, that whole right. camp. Um, at a, the good, like maybe five of them, um, and then Young Money. Right. They pretty much had the sound, and each of them, each of the individuals within those camps, pretty diverse. We, even within those camps, you had the pop star, and then you know second tier, third tier, <laughs> and then and so on. Right, and and so where I think the album starts to really grab my attention a bit more is with the hit. Number one hit of the album, Shutterbug. And Shutterbug is, I believe it's got to be Big Boy's most successful song to date because it's got a super infectious, glass-breaking groove, you know, kind of over this very glittery talk box, like, and, you know, it's going to get you dancing, man. It's going to get you moving. And so that one's very catchy. Uh, is it something that I play normally on my day-to-day -to, -day to work? No, but 
it does the job, man. And I think he was trying to move some people. I think he was trying to get people to dance. And I think Outcast has always been about that. They have, they have. It was interesting that um, that particular song was even on the UK charts. And and I was trying to understand, huh? I wonder what I wonder what the appeal was over there for that song. Right, right. And um, once again, Big Boy is no stranger to experimentation. You know, people think that Andre Three Thousand is always the experimental one, but let's not forget Big Boy made an album with Fanagram, and that's an indie rock thing. And I and I've seen Big Boy live with Fanagram. It's not my thing. It's not my thing, but I give him props for being able to to be so diverse and eclectic in the type of music he wants to make. And the third thing that I think he was trying to accomplish with this album was showcase his creativity. And so I think that his own personal songwriting plays a big role in how the album was constructed. And a couple select tracks off of the album is him trying to show that he's still a badass motherfucker. And I think that song is probably one of my favorites that I'm going to get to is General Patton, where there is an operatic choir singing with piercing horns over trap cymbals. And he's going kind of back to his old school first two outcast southern flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not with those uh, with those drums? Right, man. Right. And shout out to Big Boy. He's got a good taste for drums. Yeah. There's a lot of Southern. Man, I love how unapologetically Southern this album was in addition to what I had just mentioned earlier about it being musical and theatrical. Like the the rhythms in each of these songs um, bleed dirty South, you know. They, they they bleed trap drums. They do. They do. But on the following track, things get a little bit more interesting. I think this is where Big Boy was. I don't think he's any stranger to rock music. I think for, for sure that dude was a, was a fan of rock music. But particularly on the song Tangerine, he uses these alternative rock guitars with uh, tom-toms and then... Uh, snap sounds on top of them and he's featuring ti and kujo goody kujo goody from the goody mob another atlanta legend and what i love is just the amount of representation of atlanta he has on this whole thing right like he's putting ti he's putting goody mob he's putting um gucci main he's putting bob and so this dude is like we're going to make this a pretty Atlanta-heavy album, but we're not going to make it gangster rap. And so what, do you, what I come to realize around this point of the album is that there's a very playful quality to Atlanta rappers. And if you really think about it, Soldier Boy, B.O.B., Luda, Childish Gambino, Criss Cross... They've all been kind of known to to be a little to be a little charming with their music, a little playful. It's not so it's not so guttery like a New York or a Chicago, right? Even when I think of like a Young Thug album, uh, even though he is in the more gangster scene, 
they they're definitely willing to to be a little bit more effeminate with their music a little bit more chaotic with it I don't even know what, what'd you say? Effeminate? Effeminate. So what I mean by that is uh, they're willing to showcase like a fuzziness to their album, to their music. You know, not just we're some street motherfuckers we're trying oh, to kill and okay. shoot people. You You're know, it's all they like. Soft. They're soft. They're no, okay I'm with definitely being not saying. I'm definitely not saying that they're soft. I'm definitely not saying that they're soft. But I will say that they're just okay with being a little different. A little gay, you right? Know what I mean, <laughs> and do you think then? Hey, let's bring this circle, little let's bring this train back to Andre. I mean, wasn't that what people were saying when he when his style started changing up? Maybe, man. But we but we see this influence in the, in guys like Childish Gambino, in guys like Chance the Rapper. Who was the first suburban Atlanta rapper? Was it was it Gambino? Yeah, it's it's not it, it it goes expands beyond Atlanta. It gets to all of Georgia. Oh well, he like, says. I mean, like think of Ray Strummer, right? Think of he, uh, uh, even even like Ray Strummer or even Amigos. They're different, man. They're a little bit more playful in how they attack the beat. Huh. Yeah. Playful. Yeah. For sure, Amigos now especially they're they're funny, like right the their chemistry on the track and even on. They had a Tim Westwood freestyle. I don't know if we watched that together, but hilarious. Yeah, their their chemistry freestyling is is so good. Right, right. You got any more to say about that particular track, or you want to go on to uh, the next song? I like "You Ain't No DJ." I don't have any comments on that one. I didn't even. I, really? I it, it's a good song, um, but. Not too many songs that I have actual specific comments on. Um, so what, what you got to say about this one? Well, it features Yellow Wolf. Right. I mean, and, look, uh, that, and, I, hey, and it, I like that. Love that. Right. But it features Yellow Wolf right when he was around the era of coming out with trunk music, which is kind of like his was that album. That same time frame? Same time frame. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing is he, he and on top of that, he was he was working with Janelle Monet too, right around like yeah, the. Early. You know, early. So so this guy was really trying to put on southern rappers who were doing things a little bit differently. But Yellow Wolf kills it, man. You gotta give it to Yellow Wolf. Does a really good job, really hard. And the beat to me sounds like a run the jewels type beat. You know, I thought about Killer Mike a lot listening to this album. I thought about Run the Jewels too. Um and I you could you say, because you're Run the Jewels, a uh, pretty big fan, listen to all their albums. Um, and so, like, would you say that a lot of songs on here in the rapping style uh, reminds you of a couple songs on any Run the Jewels albums? Not any songs in particular. I do think that, I mean, first of all, Killer Mike's also from Atlanta, right? So there's that correlation. Right. But when it comes to particularly how do, do they remind me of anything no but i could definitely imagine killer mike on a couple of these tracks for sure right i maybe maybe i'm equating the energy of the music just it's all upbeat it's you know it's loud and there are some or, um orchestral 
you know, instrumentation. Very uplifting. It's very high energy. Yeah, yeah high it's energy. Fast at sometimes. Yeah, and, and and the drums and everything, all of that. I I think about the the type of energy that Killer Mike comes with on uh, Run to Jewels projects. Yep, yep. And so another interesting feature they have is Jamie Fox on the track Hustle Blood, and um, not the biggest fan of the track at all. I think it's kind of cheesy and uh i like jamie fox i think he's very talented one of the most talented men in the industry today but um yeah filler filler huh well you know what see here's the thing it's like i got i can't stress this enough when you frame the album as a musical every song makes sense you know um but when you're judging it on a rap album standard it 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 ruins the album (laughs) <laughs> that's that's how i see right. it man right it's akin to more of a hamilton as you said right okay yeah this is uh even though you call it a musical this will be my counter argument mm. it's not a concept album don't get that twisted it's not like a concept album is something that i think started to happen more and more with the release of good kid mad city and then we saw yg start to do this and I see more and more rappers coming out with concept album, which is to make the whole album flow very well, very uh, from, tra- you know, they, to play the tracks from, they want you to play the tracks from start to ending. This is not that album. The, 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 the cuts between each track are very abrupt. Yeah, I, I, track to track, there's no real transition. Zero. <laughs> There would just have to be some dialogue, i.e., this is a musical. Right. And there's a couple <laughs> short skits like at the end or yeah, beginning yeah. of the songs, but nothing that really sticks out. And you know what's another thing that's really funny? Uh and I can understand where you come up with the with the the concept of the musical. Like I was watching some music videos. One of them was the one with Janelle Monet, the Beastel track. Man, these music videos are incredibly low budget music videos. <laughs> I I don't I think it's on purpose. Like I think it's on purpose just to Did he drop you know, this I independently? He I, no, it's under Def Jam. Oh. So Damn, they gave him no budget. And and I knew for a fact 2010 Big Boy probably made some money. So that dude was either cheap or he was just <laughs> He was just on some shit. He's trying trying to make as many music videos as possible. You know, MTV still kind of had a little bit of a presence, but this track, in my opinion, I love Janelle Monae, but it's cheesy songwriting, and it's an overdrawn chorus. Not that much big boy action. But once again, I say this over and over again: big props to Big Boy for being audacious enough to make the song. But we like big boy action. We like that big boy action for sure. <laughs> Again, yeah, the, the songs are good, but like you said, there's it's there's some cheesy parts, and I and I can I can't do nothing but attribute it to the fact that this is not a this is we can't call this a rap album. I don't feel comfy, but maybe but that I wasn't th- the I, intention. That was not right, the intention, right? And, I mean, but I had a feeling you liked the next one, the next track. Oh, uh, we talked about Sorrows, Sorrows, yeah, <laughs> with uh, George Clinton from Parliament and yeah. Too Short and yeah. Sam Chris. The reason I think you like it. It's because it starts off with the Bay Area bounce. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's, and I think they did that specifically to have Too Short on it. 
And I think naturally, for his, 10 seconds. hearing his voice with some kind of wow, 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 some type of bounce with a bass line, then that's, it just brings you back to old too short, you know, um, songs. And, and so that was probably, I'd say that's uh, my top one song. <laughs> yeah. That's my yeah, top, man. Top one. You know it's me too well. It's got a funny George Clinton in the, uh, it's got a funny George Clinton in the music video. Mm. Um, and they have a video starts- for that too? Wow, they haven't. They have a video for I think maybe half the album has a music video. So they start off with the Bay Area bounce, and then it moves to a double time, and then it lows back down. And that bounce is only there for maybe the first ten seconds, and then you got George Clinton kind of singing and you know kind of acting a fool. And it's not one of my favorites, <laughs> right? Seriously. I mean, well, see that song in particular, maybe, and and so. Big Boy, like many other rappers at this time, maybe he's probably one of the later ones, but ha- had some kind of like pimp transition. You know, people like Snoop did that. Right. Um, big Boy had a pimp, like you know, he had a pimp look for sure. That big fuzzy fur coat yeah. jackets he would walk around. That's, like that's what they were going for. And this song, I mean, is a straight up head nod to all things pimp. You know, what I mean, just with Clint being in there um, with the whole P funk, and obviously P being pimp. Um, and then having Too Short, obviously. And then Sir Lucius Leftfoot. I mean, this whole story is about a pimp. <laughs> so this song was probably one of the only, like, pimp nods to that to that culture. Right. Not like their f- first album, which probably was a bigger yeah. nod to the Just pimp Plays culture. Club type, right. type shit. So the next track is, is interesting. It's called Night Night with the... Uh, a guy that me and me like to like to trash a little bit. Bob, enjoy. <laughs> I was about dude, to dude. The beat is like a progressive house beat, like almost as if Dead Mouse produced it. But then they right. just add a drum set on it. But interesting thing is, towards the end of the song, there's this like bass guitar slapping, and uh, I, I was thinking the whole time they could have incorporated that earlier because it was good. And and the interesting thing about Big Boy is, and maybe Outkast as a whole is. How much they love to incorporate the bass guitar, the slap of the yeah. bass. I think there's just something super southern about it. Just maybe it has something to do with um, the type of blues that they grew up listening to. Maybe could be man theory. Bob though, I didn't even notice that was him. Honestly, I I, I listened to the song twice and a half just to be like, where is Bob? Hmm. Apparently, he was on the course. Right. My favorite feature on the whole album is Gucci Mane on the song Shine Blockus. One, they're sampling Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, the song I Miss You. Harold Melvin, man, they get sampled quite heavily in hip-hop music, something I've been kind of realizing as we're doing more of these retrospectives. Funny thing about this music, about this song is once how incredibly low budget the music video is. I believe Gucci Mane was in the pen at this time. So they were just showing stock images of Gucci Mane oh, every time his verse came up. Dumb. And I'm like, bro, this is like the modern Doja Cat aesthetic where you just put a green screen and just put the, put like a stock image. But Bitch on Macau was so much better. Yeah, I mean, that, but that was uh, intentionally for marketing purpose, but... But nice dance between the xylophone and the bass guitar. You know, there's a heavy use of the bass guitar. I love the Gucci Mane feature just because it's so nice to hear 
a gangster ass rapper like Gucci Mane Scoochie. on some very uplifting beats. Yeah, that was that's number two for me on this album. Number two. Right. Um, there's something about that type of sample that the South does well, where they have a some type of and then they just loop it and then throw throw trap drums on it. I mean, you know, they got that on International Plays Club, and I'm sure there are countless others that I cannot think of. Um, but that Motown, you know, uh, Philadelphia soul, big band um, type of music, those samples go well over any type of Southern rapper uh, beats. Right, right. The album goes into the train part two and this song is called sir luscious left what saves the day with another we know sam chris this is when i realized that big boy came into this with no formula just free flow creativity the track as it ends it goes into this salsa dancing type thing mm. there's a real lack of consistency in any of the transitioning of the album but once again, a very illustrious choice of instruments that really transcend hip hop. It's got more of a feel of the way an indie rock album would be created. Um, reflecting back on the album as a whole, I know this album had very high accolades. I don't know if it's because the majority of people that write reviews are white folks. But it's a little too pop funk for my personal taste, man. I can see the influence on the likes of Chance the Rapper, Childish Gambino, mm. especially on uh, King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar, especially with the bass guitar and the funk. But no playback appeal for me. Right, right. Again, I think for anybody to go back to listen to these songs... You just can't look at it as a rap album. No, nobody is going to be going to this music for that. Now, if if you've got a bunch of people and they're playing characters and they're singing these songs together and they're doing a musical about it, then yes, we'll, we'll, I might go back to some of these songs. I mean, probably the only song I might go back to maybe For Your Sorrows, but that's it. Because it's right. familiar. It's familiar. But it is... It what did you say earlier? It's not experimental. This isn't anything really new, but it it's it's definitely something that most people would consider maybe outside of the box for somebody like Big Boy. But not it's not too far from Idlewild what they did in Idlewild, which came out uh, probably two and a half years before this album, um, which was the last joint um, album that we saw for the most part from from Outkast. Um, yeah. And so it's not too far from that. And it might it might have been inspired from it. The, my first listen was like, oh, is so is was he doing a second Idlewild type of joint? Um, and then my second listen to it, I, it made just it just made sense to me that, OK, maybe the intention wasn't let me do a, purely a rap album. Just do some maybe maybe add some flavor to what they did in um, Idlewild. Maybe. I have no clue. Really couldn't tell what his intention was coming into making his first solo album. Yeah, the song, his sound, um, I still, I believe this is 
I don't know if this is his most commercially successful album, but his albums do well. His albums do well, and especially on the next album he comes out with, which is called Vicious Lies and Dangerous Rumors, the dude has an all-star cast of features. I mean, Kid Cudi, Little Dragon, Killer Mike, Kelly Rowland, ASAP Rocky, B.O.B., U.G.K., uh, Big Crit. Well, what is that? Phileas London. What does that Blaze. say? What does that mean to you? Dude, the guy is so big that he can sell an album just based off of the off the features, man. Yeah, but most you say like it's a good thing. It is a good thing. I think I'm gonna listen to those albums just because, because it has those, those features. Yeah, but I, I think a, a, a general hip hop listener would critique an album based on, okay, so you got all these features because what you can't you know, you can't do shit, you can't do this on your own. Like, you know, you're you're kind of utilizing um, the fame that these other artists have to kind of add to your album. That's kind of the, what I think is what most people would kind of go to, um, or at least the critical, hypercritical uh, 90s rap listener would kind of go to that um, when they critique an album. Like, yo, look at all these features. But on this particular album, the features aren't from famous people. Like, there's not a lot of famous people. And like you kind of mentioned earlier, they got these people early. Like, I don't even think Yellow Wolf had his BT cipher yet. Mm. You know? Um, don't quote me on that. But even even after his first BT cipher, you know what I mean? Um, that's what I think might have been Yellow Wolf's kind of big breakout with uh, Slaughterhouse. Um, right. But, but yeah, he, he none of these people are, are famous at that point. B.O.B. kind of just dropped Beautiful Girls with Bruno Mars that year, too. So he's kind of blowing up. That's probably the highest profile rapper next to a damn Too Short. Um, but, but yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, man, I think, and once again, we recognize that a lot of people like this album. We get it. But us as the rap geeks, we don't put our stamp of approval on it. And it might be because we're so used to Outkast. And the element that Andre 3000 brings to the table is deep. Yeah, I like that. He's a deep man. I like that balance between the two. Right? And, and And Big Boy's not. Big Boy's very over the top. He's very... But Andre 3000 gives definition to Outkast's music. And, and Big Boy is the yin to the yang. And so when you only got the yang, it's it's just a funky party record with some hip-hop trimmings. But yeah. and, 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 he, and he's a very good, very good rapper. We're not saying that he's not. But the depth is lacking. I love Big Boy on Outcast. This does not get my playback appeal, stamp of approval. That's what I gotta say. And I'm a, I'm gonna agree with you, but again, we gotta listen to the album because you'll recognize how 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 highly produced this music is. Um, and again, in it in the context of a rap album, it's hard to listen to. But I I do say, actually, let me ask you, who do you think this album is for then? I think it's for the general masses. General masses, as in people who turn on the radio and leave it. Well, is that the I masses know, anymore? What's the it's new masses? Like asking, it's almost like asking who does Linkin Park make music for? 
because Linkin Park doesn't make music for metalheads. They don't make music for hip hop heads. They don't make music for alternative rock heads or EDM heads. They just kind of make music that is people who kind of like a little bit of everything. And that's how I felt that he was coming out with this. That's mm. why I kind of compared it to, right. you know, the uh, the Stinks, the Stankonia album. Mm-hmm. Because I think that album in particular was kind of the album that Outkast made that was like, we're going to make a little bit of everything. And so that that's why I think that this comes in. It doesn't help that the album cover is just kind of, it's nothing great. You know, so. I think it's appropriate at the times. <laughs> yeah, it could be appropriate at the times. You know, it looks like a shittier Teflon Don. Yeah. I was. By Rick Ross. I had to really go back and listen to what songs were popping at the time. Like, I caught my ass listening to like Bedrock earlier just to really put myself back in the 2010 space and then listen to this album just to see am I tripping or is this album just sound super aged? You know? it's It has not held up well. Let's just say that. Right. It has not held up well. I think there's still an audience that messes with it. And, you know, if there wasn't, we wouldn't be doing this. So <laughs> point is. Right, right. And, and I mean, in Big Boy's legend, man, you know, we got we got to talk about this one, um, even though I do think 25 percent of it was about Andre. Mm. Which is cool. I mean, that's fine. We'll give on we'll give Dre 25 uh, percent of a Big Boy album review. <laughs> right. Well, that concludes it for me. What about you? Uh, that's it, man. Wouldn't go back to it uh, personally. If 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 I'm dri- maybe if I'm driving with you, just to kind of piss you off with some of these songs, maybe or or we could slap a uh, general Patton like heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if, if if we can add some ridiculous 808s to general Patton, like yeah. But I would much rather hear. I would much rather hear this album live. That's really kind of my point. Is just this this is great live music, um, but not anything I would kind of. Uh, download offline on my Spotify. Yeah, and you know what? I wish there was an Andre 3000 feature on the album. That <laughs> made it way better for me. Oh, you think that was on purpose? Maybe, man. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Couldn't afford him. Anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of The Rap Geeks. Thank you. You have been, uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate anyone who listens to our podcast. Yeah. Once again, from the heart. We're always reviewing old music. Old we're shit. old hip-hop heads. We're not new hip-hop heads. We don't be messing around with no Polo G, no NBA mm. Youngboy, mm. okay. no NLE Chaffa. Mm. You sure you want to keep this in? Oh, my God. I don't want no smoke from him. I mean, I, just, I don't listen to him. I don't want no smoke. Hey, man. We appreciate all the smoke. <laughs> we want all the smoke, Anyways. y'all. Thank you. What you can do is you can leave us a review. I don't know where you get your podcast from. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. You can find us at all of these locations. And if there's any particular album you want to hear us do a decade of review, you can always email us at playbackappeal at gmail.com too. We're signing out. Sayonara. Playback. 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 Yeah. 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 Yeah.